grieve together for every mother and father, sister and brother, son and daughter who was stolen from us at the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and here in this Pennsylvania field. We honor their sacrifice by pledging to never flinch in the face of evil and to do whatever it takes to keep America safe. In the wake of the September 11th attacks, courageous Americans raced into smoke, fire, and debris in Lower Manhattan, the Pentagon, and a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. The whole world witnessed the might and resilience of our nation in the extraordinary men and women of the New York Fire Department and the New York Police Department. Earlier this year, we fully reauthorized the Victims' Compensation Fund to the tune of billions and billions of dollars. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on Earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. And the cleanup started the next day, and it was the most horrific cleanup probably in the history of doing this and in construction. I was down there and I've never seen anything like it. I've seen two huge 110 story buildings that are reduced to rubble. Thousands and thousands of lives. I just got to see something that I've never seen before. I have hundreds of men inside working right now and we're bringing down another 125 in a little while. And they've never done work like this before. We come here in the knowledge we cannot erase the pain or reverse the evil of that dark and wretched day. But we offer you all that we have, our unwavering loyalty, our undying devotion, and our eternal pledge that your loved ones will never, ever be forgotten. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Friday, September 10th, a brand new edition of the Sea Report. And yeah, uh, that was the uh, brand new release from President Trump and uh, the Save America PAC uh, honoring the memorial of uh, September 11th, uh, 2021 this year. But yeah, um, Man, I can't believe it. You know, it's uh, this day seems to creep up on us pretty quickly nowadays. Um, came by really quick. I can't believe tomorrow's already going to be the anniversary. You know, talking about it, uh, you know, here on the show and other places, like uh, you don't really realize how quick these dates uh, creep up on you. But there you go. So uh, hopefully you guys got to catch out there. I'm sure it's been playing everywhere around the interwebs. Certainly a lot more. Uh, than we uh, seem to be expecting from illegitimate joke Biden, uh, who is legitimately a joke. But uh, you guys, you guys get what I mean, right? But anyhow, 
Welcome to the Friday edition of the Sea Report. The weekend is here already again. Another day, whoops, <laughs> another day that has just seemed to creep up on me. I was like, oh my goodness, is it Friday already? And uh, yeah, the weekend is here. Um, it's hot in this room. And also, uh, you know, that means that we'll still have a, a few more activities for the weekend before uh, we begin uh, the new week on Monday. But nevertheless, we do have a pretty good show for you guys today. I know I say that every show, and I think I think every show is pretty good. Uh, digging into some um, headlines and uh, getting into some things that, uh, I don't know, you, you know, you may not uh, you may not hear too much about. But nevertheless, uh, we do have several stories for you guys tonight to share with. Um, not to mention, you know, the calls for resignation of, um, I was going to say Lord Austin, of Lloyd Austin, uh, Secretary of Defense, and uh, also uh, General Mark Victoria Milley. Um, and uh, obviously, accountability is being sought out uh, by peers in their ranks, uh, retired and otherwise. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. There's a, a specific organization that is organizing that, uh, one that is made up of retired generals and admirals, uh, having recently released a letter calling for them to resign. Uh, yeah, so we'll take a gander at that. Uh, the NARA goes woke. Now, what the heck is the NARA, right? Uh, for those of you who may not have heard about such an agency, or maybe it's just not top of mind, the NARA is the uh, National Archives and Records Administration. And uh, safe to say, uh, it's not uh, that they just went woke. Uh, you know, they've tried to go woke on, um, you know, our government, our American people, on our archives and our records, but uh, they're at it again. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that uh, group of individuals. Uh, I guess there's SJWs in the rank, uh, millennials, uh, quite possibly, I don't know, um, diehard communist hippies. I'm sure they exist, guys, in this day and age. Uh, a chimera of hippie and uh, communist. I'm sure they exist, guys. I'm sure they exist. And they are most likely also either Satanists, witches, or people who go to Burning Man. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And that's that's going to be uh, quite an interesting story. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, just a little bit of information. Uh, and then finally on the headline, who is BlackRock? Have uh, any of you guys out there ever heard of a uh, group, a business group called BlackRock? Well, if you haven't, we are going to talk a little bit about them tonight. I think that will uh, leave a lot of room for thought and discussion on the table uh, when we kind of get into uh, what these guys do and uh, who they own and uh, who their uh, CEO is and uh, his involvement in the grand scheme of things. A very, very interesting, uh, interesting group and or slash business to look at. Um, particularly when we're trying to figure out who runs the world, right? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that one because that will leave a lot of room for discussion and possibly possibly get us into uh, a future foray of uh, investigation and reporting here at the C-Channels. So, like I said, 
I hope you guys are having a great Friday afternoon. And, uh, you know, I hope you're ready for the weekend. Uh, we will be here for the next couple of hours. And then also we will be back again tonight for Mr. C in the Dark at midnight tonight. Uh, should be some fun stuff for that. I'll give you guys a little bit of an idea a little later on what I have planned for tonight. Uh, should be interesting. Um, always a good conversation. And then, of course, uh, we are broadcasting live on the foxhole.app as well as the Twitch and the Clout Hub. So we're live on all channels right now, just hanging out and having a good time. And uh, yeah, and we, hey, we got someone popping in the chat. How's it going, Mr. Aurelius Locke? Hope you're having a great afternoon. We have a great uh, set of uh, stories for you all tonight. Actually, we have a lot more than just what I mentioned, uh, <laughs> than just what's headlined. Uh, we also have part two, or I guess technically part three, depending on uh, depending on what uh, Greg Gutfeld feels about it. But uh, the the final, the fin finale of his uh, interview with President Trump, we have that coming up as well. Uh, so that should set uh, that should set the tone off right for tonight, I'm sure. And then uh, as well, let me, let me think. What else we got? Oh, we got some stuff with I don't know uh, David Chip Chipman and uh, you know a couple of other things. But uh, we'll we will jump into all of that. Uh, you know, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty hectic uh, hectic week for most, I guess you could say. Well, you know, maybe half week, maybe midweek. You know, I think the weekend. I think the week started fairly well. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, um, um, I guess at least as far as headlines go, I mean, a lot of the continuation of the same narratives and stories. But then uh, the Biden administration or lack thereof uh, throws a wrench in everyone's plans and uh, starts to uh, spouse executive orders about uh, about mandatory vaccines. And of course, uh, that storyline has already made the rounds, ladies and gentlemen. I think there's a I think it's more valuable to uh, perhaps uh, consider some angles on that point. Uh, you know, uh, he coming out um, uh, as able as he was or was not to speak at the time, uh, talking about um, having this vaccine mandate uh, that he was going to order executively. Now, that's the thing about it. Of course, I know all of you guys have seen the memes already. And the videos uh, of he, the likes of he, and uh, you know, a circle back Saki, all saying things to the uh, to the extent that uh, they would never mandate or require vaccinations. Americans should always have choice; it's a personal choice, etc., etc., etc. We could have expected it to go this way. Um, he's he's kind of making me. Uh, he's kind of reminding me of uh, you know Governor Gruesome Newsom over there in California where it's like, uh, in spite of all of the odds stacked against him, uh, he's still going to do something that is really against popular opinion and uh, that most people probably would not agree with anyhow. Uh, so, you know, when we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, the liberals, the Democrats, etc., all those people who uh, either voted for him or at least voted for him in spirit, because <laughs> uh, I doubt most of them popped up and popped open anyways to show up for that vote. But uh, you were talking about talking about, you know, having buyer's remorse. And of course, I don't think the line would be very long for that return, you know, so to speak, because like I said, again, I don't I don't really believe that many people turned out to vote for him. 
Uh, you know, I think it was very representative of the amount of people that showed up at his rallies. Uh, that would also include, you know, the fact that they were in uh, six six foot diameter circles and then some. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with that said, um, you, you would think that Afghanistan would do it. And uh, people keep talking about, uh, you know, people waking up in the Great Awakening. And, and you know, uh, it's to the point that, you know, sometimes I wonder if some individuals feel like perhaps they're not effective themselves, you know, um, for, I mean, I don't know how effective I, I am, honestly, I just kind of just get up here and do my thing. And, and like I, like I always say, if they have ears to hear, they will hear. If they have eyes to see, they will see. If it resonates with you, if it sparkles with you, so to speak, uh, then you know, um, then then that's good. You know, that's good. Um, but even reaching an audience of one is more important, you know, than uh, standing before a crowd of, uh, you know, a thousand, uh, you know, people who just ignore you or cannot hear. Um, that's not to say that they're deaf, though, because that just wouldn't be fair, right? Because <laughs> I probably would not have a, a sign language person up there with me anyways. But, you know, as I'm saying, you know, um, uh, it, it was, I don't know, it seems like it would always have been, in fact, even masterfully so, uh, that the ones who would end up waking up the sleeping masses would be uh, they whom uh, they trusted in. You know, um, uh, Americans, humans have to be shown, not told. I know you can't tell me and I'm, you tell me, I, you know, it's, that's a different story there. But uh, but, you know, um, they have to be shown, you know, and and uh, uh, we patriots, conservatives, uh, individuals of that ilk, we could paint as many pictures as we want. Uh, we could we could. Uh, create as many documentaries as we can. I mean, there's dozens of great documentaries out there. Uh, dozens of great documentaries, I think, would really uh, get that red pill down that esophagus, you know, on people who maybe already had the pill in their mouth, but just had not yet quite swallowed, if you know what I mean. Um, but, uh, but to those who have their mouth sealed shut, and I'm not talking about like they got their mouths you know, taped shut uh, by a teacher in school or by, a, you know, an airline attendant or you, uh, air marshal. Um, I, I mean, those people who just, mm, they will not, will not, will not open their mouth to take that red pill. They have no eyes to see. They have no ears to hear until their eyes and their ears betray them. And uh, indeed, it seems that's definitely the case here. Um, it's crazy, in fact, that, uh, well, you know, it was really Afghanistan that I think started to really nudge these individuals awake. Uh, I think prior to that, uh, gas prices uh, was, you know, um, was kind of uh, nudging them awake, you know, maybe maybe turning on the light just a little bit. Uh, but, um, you know, like, uh, they, uh, they, they are now awake, ladies and gentlemen. They are probably very much, very much um, waking up. And... Uh, if it, if it was not going to be gas prices or Afghanistan, uh, perhaps it will be these uh, new vaccine mandates. Uh, because, you know, uh, President Trump had uh, promises made and promises kept, but it seems that uh, this uh, illegitimate joke Biden has um, uh, promises made and, you know, lies in their face. 
And uh, here we go with that. You know, uh, the biggest, biggest thing here we're talking about, of course, with these mandates is uh, uh, from the words of their own mouth to fly back in their own faces and uh, to spit upon the face and the feet of every one of his constituents. And again, that very short line of voters that turned out to vote for, uh, you know, Joe Biden. Uh, it is insane, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that uh, they're going to have to eat his words. Um, and then we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes from there. Uh, maybe maybe this whole fiasco or lack thereof that's going to be happening for September 11th tomorrow will prompt even more. Maybe maybe September 11th will, will be the cherry on top for those diehard Democrat patriots. Now, I know that sounds like a uh, contradiction in terms, like an oxymoron. A patriotic Democrat? What are you talking about, Mr. C? Well, you know, it's like here in my hometown. Very, very old city. Very, very old city. Um, and, and that is to say age-wise, not... Uh, <laughs> It's to say age-wise, not like uh, uh, years of existence. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, older folks. I mean, we're talking boomers and north of that. Um, and a lot of them subscribe to that uh, classic Democrat idea in their mind. And uh, that classic idea of vote blue in their mind. In their mind, because they always played party politics, because that is what they were taught. And that is what they know. Um, uh, the, the Democrats could do no wrong, you know, and, and, and they're patriotic too. They love their country. Uh, you know, they, they really do believe in their mind. Um, and they probably are living a good life. I don't, I'm not talking about the liberal trash. I'm not talking about the woke progressive crap that we see in the Democrat party today. I am talking about that old, old Democrat party. And I'm not talking about the racists either. Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about that old. <laughs> We're not going that old, you know, um, but, but I don't know, I guess, I guess maybe the Democrats of like the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. Okay. Um, you know, um, who were uh, very patriotic. They lived a good life. Uh, they had jobs. They weren't on the government dole, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, today's days, they are not our grandparent, my grandparents, Democrats anyways, but, uh, you know, um, but, but those people, those people, those ones who think that they are still uh, living in a world where the Democrat Party has not uh, been subjugated to uh, revealing its true self in such heinous and reproachful colors as they do now, because I mean, studying the origins of the Democrat Party, as you all are aware, will reveal that they have very, 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 very questionable uh, beginnings, and they've always done very questionable, uh, indeed, very uh, reproachful activities. You know, but uh, somewhere along the lines of JFK, all of that got blurred, right? And then you know, the Democrats became the upstanding party. Um, and so you had a bunch of well-intentioned, well-meaning, honest people who were the Democrat Party. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. They're usually older, you know, um, older people, you know, like I said, uh, you know, boomers are north of that or maybe right in that vicinity. But when Afghanistan happens and now you got this lack of a fiasco, fiasco happening with 9-11 where, uh, you know, illegitimate Joe Biden has basically decided that, uh, or, or maybe he did not decide, 
you know, maybe it was decided for him. And actually that is most probably the case uh, that, um, you know, um, he's going to uh, just not show up. Uh, he has a pre-released recording that will be available by Saturday, you know, and uh, he'll be visiting, uh, you know, different uh, places uh, throughout. Uh, was it Pennsylvania, DC and New York. So uh, I guess there's not going to be like an official ceremony or if there is, you know, it's going to be uh, one that does not include the president. I think this would probably be the first time, right, where they've had like a, a, a memorial ceremony for 9-11 uh, where there was not some type of a real presidential presence or representative, so to speak. Uh, I'm, he's going to be there, obviously, but... I guess he just won't be talking. Um, and that, uh, and that, you know, may, and you talk about disrespect, you know, just like we saw uh, him do with the fallen soldiers during that terrorist attack over at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. Something's really going to push these uh, Democrats. And I'm not talking about the liberal trash, progressive, woke, communist scum. I mean, like old school, middle school, Democrats. I think you guys get the idea of what I'm trying to say. And, and, you know, those are the only ones that probably actually showed up to vote too. You know, those are probably the only ones that really turned out to vote uh, in mass. And um, it was going to be their own trusted party that would show them. Okay. Cause we could tell them we could scream at them. We could paint pictures and make documentaries all day long, but it wouldn't be that way. Um, it will be this way. It will be it will be with the way that the administration is currently the regime is currently going. That is forcing them awake. It is prying their eyeballs open with crowbars, you know, so that this way uh, they're being forced to see it. Um, and the uh, this entire vaccine mandate, you know, like um, th there's a lot of reason for people to have concern. There's a lot of reason for consternation. You know it, you hear it, you feel it. It's out there. It's present. It's palpable. Um, but um, at the at the end of the day, you know, as they say, um, we could have seen this coming, probably saw this coming, probably knew this was going to happen. Uh, I mean, everything that he said has he's lied or reneged on or has, you know, uh, changed course. You know, um, it, it, it's a masterful way that they project the Democrat, socialist, communist, progressive, liberal, um, you know, um, a body of individuals. Because uh, if they're not projecting their crimes, you know, they're projecting their future crimes. And, and it seems that everything that they projected on to President Trump and anyone associated with that um, with that party or that uh, you know company, um, uh, they have done in flying colors in eight months. And uh, indeed, you know, uh, Biden has to be just that fall guy. They're like, we just need one patsy, one dummy. We just need someone. We just need some scapegoat to uh, ram through everything that we wanted and everything that president Trump destroyed and then take a fall, you know, and to that end, some people are saying that uh, this is all intentional and Biden is still of a sound mind. Uh, I don't know how true that is. Of course I'm hearing, you hear a whole bunch of things out there, ladies and gentlemen, like a whole bunch of things like, 
you know, on one of my um, one of my YouTube accounts. Ooh, I have more than one. What? You know, because uh, uh, I, I can't post on one. Uh, I used for like the politics and the show and stuff like that. And then a personal one. Um, like, I swear, within the last two days, my uh, stream has just been overloaded with this content that I have no idea why it's there. Uh, I have no subscriptions to anything remotely related to any of the accounts or users. Um, and it's just this flock of videos, like video after video after video after video of all of this, um, of all of this, uh, uh, um, um, like Patriot, Patriot themed content. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, why is this happening? Like, who cursed me with this? I mean, is it, it's not even recommended. I mean, it's almost like I was subscribed to these accounts and now I'm seeing all of their videos, you know? And, and you know, these videos just are like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is some kind of a, to me, it feels like it's some kind of a psyop or some kind of an operation. Because, you know, we have people who are talking about, like, Jasara Nasara, and, and we have people who are talking about how, like, you know, um, um, you know, Biden is dead, and it's, it's, it's actually James Wood up there, and, you know, and all of these things, like, like uh, people are saying, um, all of this is fake, you know, like, everyone that you see up there from Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, in fact, is actually, uh, what, who did they say she was? They said Nancy Pelosi was, uh, you know, that, that, that funny girl who said that to Michelle a trendy yeah you remember her what's, what's her name again uh apparently she's still alive and, and she didn't die under the knife to do uh, that simple you know operation and she is actually portraying nancy pelosi in this movie that we're watching um I mean, you know, that that would make for a great, great storyline slash movie. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I cannot buy. I, I just don't buy it. You know, like um, uh, I, it would be it would be great to be wrong. Let me tell you what it would be great to be wrong. You know, uh, 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 what if, what if, you know, like during President Trump's administration, they actually did arrest all of these people. They already did uh, execute Hillary Clinton and they did execute the Bushes and the Pences and all of that. You know, what if all of that's already happened? And and uh, at, at that point, you know, you have uh, Trump and his administration sending in all of these uh, decoys, these actors like James Wood playing Joe Biden. Right. They were like. They're like, um, have you even seen James Wood recently? The last time we saw anything from James Wood, uh, he was railing against the swamp creatures and then he vanished. And I was like, wow. I was like, uh, well, I mean, I have Joan Rivers. Thank you, Casual GG. <laughs> I could not do her voice. Uh, this uh, collar is far too tight for me to get that scratchy, if you know what I mean. So anyways... So, so anyways, that's what these all, I mean, just dozens of videos just dropped into my stream. And I'm like, why am I getting this? Like, why, why is this being, I, I feel like it's being pushed. I'm like, why is this being pushed onto me when I don't pay attention to that on YouTube at all, period? Like, uh, you know, there's new streams, you know, and, and there's other things like that. Um, but, uh, but like, what is this? And then, and then when I go to that user's account who has all of these videos, there's like two or three of them that have all these videos posted and they're all of them are, are about, uh, Patriot America stuff. All of them are about Trump. 
All of them are like 20, 30, 40 minutes long or more. All of them covering a vast amount of topics between present day and, you know, like Trump's uh, administration and 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 him coming down, uh, you know, the golden elevator uh, escalator, you know, all of them. And like, I mean, and when I go, I go into that account and I dig deep and go back, back months, 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 months. There's nothing but like dozens of videos in like, in like, uh, I don't know, a, a cuneiform. Like they're, they're in like, uh, they're either in like, they're in some Middle Eastern language. I don't know what it is, but like all the videos prior to all of this drop of nothing but Patriot videos talking about, uh, you know, uh, the Trump administration. And, you know, this is a storyline that we heard, you know, that the Trump administration is running a shadow presidency, which, you know, I still think is quite possible. Uh, but then, you know, uh, they're also adding that thing about uh, everyone being executed already, already had the military tribunals and all the above. And everyone that you see right now are actors. Not one of them is real. Not Nancy Pelosi, not uh, not Chuck Schumer, not Joe Biden, not Mike Pence, you know, uh, uh, not uh, not Mitch McConnell. None of them are who they are. They, they're all executed, according to these people. And um, so like, uh, yeah, pr shadow presidency. And I guess I guess the main catch here would be that um, that uh, the reason why it is being set up that way is because, again, just like I say, two thirds of the country is still asleep and the rest of the world, you know, so you cannot force a change as dramatic as waking people up to the truth about our government, the truth about 9-11, the truth about the elections, the truth about Kennedy, the truth about uh, the three-letter agencies, you know, the truth about who really runs the world, the banking establishment and all of that stuff, um, you know, and, uh, and, so, and so in order to uh, circumnavigate, you know, the, uh, the, um, the freak out, that would happen naturally amongst people when those types of scenarios are revealed to be uh, false to them. Um, they are putting on this entire production, which is why they call it a movie and uh, enjoy the movie, get your popcorn because, uh, because apparently James Wood is playing, you know, president Biden select and uh, yeah, you know, and uh, Empress says, I won't believe it till I see and smell the rotting bodies. And you know what? Uh, barring the sniffing of those rotting bodies, uh, Miss Empress Beach to you, I, that's where I stand also. Uh, and I'm just wondering why, like, just a day ago, my streams were overloaded with this stuff. Like, overloaded. Like, they're expecting me to watch it and then report on it. Like, oh, guess what, guys? So-and-so says that uh, James Wood is actually Biden. Yeah. And, uh, and Jasara Nasara is still going to happen. Right. Okay. Now I get Jasara Nasara. You know, I understand what that was about. I looked up into it. I read into it. And I, I don't believe that that is going to happen just the way they said it was. Now, don't get me wrong. Like uh, the idea of a Jubilee, uh, the idea of debt forgiveness is, is something I most definitely um, vouch for. Um, I think that would be the best way to reset the system and also uh, stick a big old middle finger in the faces of the, uh, you know, of the uh, debt slavers, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve Central Bank and all of their people and minions and everyone above them and everyone who's aided and abetted them, including the IRS, but then also liquidating the assets of all of these millionaires to take care of all of that stuff. So anyways, I get Jasara Nasara. 
Um, I've heard the stories about it. I don't really think that that's the way that would go down anyways. And then plus, so many things have changed on the economic front um, since all of this COVID-19 shenanigan began, uh, I don't even know that it could necessarily go that way. I mean, it, who was it? Was it Switzerland or Finland or one of those uh, Nordic slash, uh, you know, European countries? They did that. They jailed their bankers. They jailed their bankers because it was discovered that indeed, just like these central bankers do in every country just about in this world, they created a debt slave out of their population. They uh, they gave uh, they gave, uh, you know, um, these these terrible loans that would never be fulfilled, you know, debt loans to the government. So this way they could own the government, essentially. And they jailed the bankers. They jailed the hell out of them and they freed their people and they 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 forgave their debts because they were illegal debts. You know, that is something that could very well take place here is something that I was expecting President Trump to do in his second term proper. You know, um, and so uh, I mean, that's just kind of long and short. Of it. I, mean, I went off into a way off tangent, guys. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, I was just curious about that. And uh, I don't understand why I suddenly got all of this information that seems rather bunk to me. But that's not going to open up my eyes. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm talking about here is what we're seeing here. And, you know, what we're seeing here right now could very well. Greenland. Thank you, Philly Q. Appreciate you, sweetie. Uh, what we're seeing here right now could very well play into that narrative. You know, they're going to see you see they're having James Woods play uh, President Biden so bad, you know, uh, that it's going to wake everyone up because look at look at how he ruined the country in eight months. Look how he left uh, Americans to die in Afghanistan. Uh, look how he's not even going to honor the fallen of the 9-11 uh, terrorist attack, you know. I could very well play into that. That you could very well play into that narrative. And you know what? I'm sure all of the content creators that made up those stories will pat themselves on the back. Um, and if they're right, they're right. And uh, you know what? Bravo to uh, bravo to the President Trump Productions, right? <laughs> MAGA Productions, right? Uh, you know, they got a little of that light and magic. They fooled all of the patriots and, uh, you know, and they woke up the world while they were doing it. Good for them. But we also have, like, all of the world players, obviously, too. I mean, you know, you got Putin. You know, you got uh, you got all the European leaders. Uh, um and they even went on about that. But anyways, uh, it, it was going to take it was going to take the administration that these people voted for to wake them up is what my point was to all of this. guys. So, uh, you know, it's going to take them to wake them up. And indeed it is like, uh, again, when we're talking about this mass awakening, you know, uh, we could go knock on their doors. We could read them scriptures. We could show them proof. We could give them evidence and it wasn't going to happen. Uh, but but the actions that this administration slash junta slash regime have taken, I think, is serving its purpose uh, right here and now. And and indeed, I mean, I will just echo the words. It was meant to be this way because that's most definitely the way it seems like it's going to be going. Uh, you know, we see Biden cannot even walk in the streets yet. And, and this isn't even over all of the pedophile stuff that he's done. It's, it's, it's over. And, and, you know, justly so over the way he handled Afghanistan, justly so. But, you know, th that's how we also that's what we also talk about, uh, about not allowing our expectations to exceed us. Because I would have been like, oh, yeah, once they find out about them children and once they find out about how they robbed Haiti and all of that stuff, that's what I was expecting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Major foul, illegitimate joke. Allowing soldiers to die in Afghanistan and abandoning American people. 
I'm pretty sure that they're surprised too that the American people, uh, you know, um, feel that strongly about um, this country. And I don't think that those people who are standing probably on their trampoline or on their roof ho- rooftop house houses rooftop uh, with their heads poking over the fence, yelling at him. Uh, I mean, this might sound judgmental, but I don't think those people were conservatives. You know, I don't think that they were Republican. You know, I, they looked to me like they were probably part of, you know, that Democrat liberal voting body. That's just uh, that's just a, 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 an analysis based on sight, you know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, where's this really going to hit uh, you know, Americans. Now, something that I think a lot of people probably heard, because uh, I know I've seen it in the headlines. I know I've seen um, other articles kind of talking about it and in regards to these vaccine mandates. Uh, you know, I mean, it, this is this is going towards, obviously, uh, you know, the government sector. Um, that's really what these executive orders are geared towards. Um, you know, um, it's, it's going to affect federal employees 100% hands down. With some exceptions to the rule, I mean, there is the United States Postal Service that will not be affected, or at least that's what they're saying at this point. Uh, That's not to say that, uh, you know, um, the uh, COVID Nazis won't swoop in and uh, try and force the United States Postal Service to comply. And then interesting enough, in these executive orders, there was absolutely no mention of mandates for requirements for uh, members of Congress, federal judges, or their staffers. So one has to kind of wonder, uh, what's up with that illegitimate joke? Uh, You're going to make everyone else get it in this governing body, but you're not going to do it for those most closely working with you. Um, So yeah, so that's that's mainly the gist of it. You know, um, uh, 100 employee jobs or more um, um, and this is, again, for um, public sector uh, uh, workers that will affect, they say, about 80 million people. Now, here's the here's the big whoop, though, is that uh, they're going to authorize OSHA. And it's almost like uh, it's almost like this was uh, this was like a pre uh, pre pre uh, pre thought out, you know, like it was uh, uh, pre precognated. You know, we have OSHA. As the Occupational Safety Hazard, um, whatever agency or something like that, um, and uh, they're going to be allowed to um, enforce or to have this emergency mandate, and that is how they're going to get the private sector. Interesting, huh? Like they couldn't overreach, so to speak, to to uh, command uh, obedience from private sector businesses. But through the magic of OSHA, Occupational Safety Hazard Health Standards, anyways. Okay, so like through the magic of OSHA, they're going to be able to, um, you know, uh, prod, uh, influence um, the um, force, the private sector to comply with these standards. Because apparently OSHA has that ability to do such things under temporary emergency, etc., you know, and so uh, I, I mean, that very interesting, guys. Now, that is where you're going to get the biggest jolt awake uh, because, um, you know, just about every government worker that I've ever known in my life, and I have one in my family, uh, totally, totally, totally subservient, totally does what they say, totally trusts and complies, uh, which is interesting, you know. Because uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, um, uh, 
the government workers, they're going to, they were, they were going to do it anyways. But to me, the big waking factor here is going to be the private sector mandates that will be coerced through OSHA to do this. Okay. Um, we're talking about a hundred million Americans, guys, one third of the country, just like uh, one third of the country voted for Trump or thereabouts, you know, give or take <laughs> a few, but one third of the country will be affected by this. And, and the thing, the thing about it is guys, the thing about it is like, uh, we're talking about waking up the liberal Democrat socialist progressive base. And, and you know, I, maybe I should say this, uh, a lot of the, well, no, I guess I don't know for a fact. If I were to take ethnic groups, you know, based on skin color, and I were to, you know, say like, uh, 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 determine, you know, if they're, if they're black American, they're more likely to be liberal Democrat socialist, you know, uh, if they're Mexican, uh, they're more likely to be a Democrat liberal, um, communist, you know, or, you know, if they're, if they're, uh, yellow American, they're more likely to be, well, actually that would be the communist one. Anyways, you get what I'm saying, right? So I don't know if I could break down each ethnic group into whatever specific little liberal Democrat, progressive, socialist, communist group that they are, right? But Democrat voting for sure, right? Ladies and gentlemen, Democrat voting for sure, at least by historical standards, at least by the standards that uh, they've always uh, seemed to cause us to believe. You know, and and this is where it's going to hit home, guys, because when you have a mandate for one that's going to affect at least 100 million Americans, guys, and you look at the uh, data on who has been vaccinated according to ethnic group or ethnicity or, or race, if you want to call it race, even though we're the human race. If you look at the data, it's not going to affect the white people. Okay, the people who have chosen not to get vaccinated, the people who have said, I don't trust the government, the people who said, I do not trust these vaccines, the people who have said, I will wait and see until we have results and until we see what, uh, you know, the outcome is or until we see if there's any side effects. The people who have chosen to wait on that are not white people. Okay, 60 percent of uh, of um, white people. Uh, when we have people who've actually, you know, taken the surveys and said, hey, you know, uh, have you been vaccinated? Yes or no? Whatever. Uh, among this, among the group of, of people who have been um, surveyed, two thirds or 60 percent of them were white that said, yes, check the box. I have been vaccinated. OK, so this mandate is not going to affect the white people. OK, so you're going to have. All and, and so we should call this mandate racist, right? This should be racist. Oh my goodness. We have a talking point for the Patriots, ladies and gentlemen. This uh this executive order on vaccines is racist. Pull out your race cards, ladies and gentlemen. We can finally use them, okay? Because um only 10% of the people who have been vaccinated were black, okay? 17% Hispanic, 6% Asian. Um, 1% American Indian or Alaskan native. Okay. So, uh, and, and I don't think that's because they're living in areas where they can't get vaccinated. Right. In fact, were they not sending more and more COVID jab stations and setting up tents to get your shots in low income, high minority areas? 
That was one of the strategies and it still failed. Okay, so backlash, ladies and gentlemen. Eyes open, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to wake them up. And I take hope in that. Let Biden and his administration screw up and put their foot up their butts as much as they want, because guess what? It's going to wake these people up. We're already seeing it happening over Afghanistan. So uh, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting when uh, I heard that these mandates were rolling out. And I know it's been the topic du jour around the water cooler uh, for a minute but uh, that's that's uh, that's pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting uh, move to make, and it also makes you wonder uh, with such with such a uh, panicky type of overreach in executive order, you know, one one that shows the uh, the regime as the full on lying, hypocritical, um, uh, maniacal, uh, egotistical, bigoted, um, you know, group of individuals that they are. You know that they're going to uh, have these mandates. I, I, I seriously doubt that uh, uh, America has uh, lived up to the expectations of the WHO and the United Nations, and has successfully actually vaccinated seventy percent of uh, Americans. I'm going to go take a survey. I'm going to ask ten people, and if I get seven people who are vaccinated, okay, <laughs> maybe. But uh, I don't know. Uh, it's highly unlikely. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's up with that. But anyways, I just thought I would talk a little bit about that at the head of the show, because that's not even part of the report, ladies and gentlemen. We ain't even got started yet. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, let me jump in. And thank you for, uh, thank you for entertaining my, ch my banter there. Uh, let's see what we got going on in the chat today, guys. How you guys doing? It's Friday. It's Friday. We're feeling good. We're feeling fine. We're feeling fresh. We're, uh, we're good to go for the weekend. Uh, we got Aurelius lock in. Zena is in the house. Good evening. Uh, Zena says, where's everyone today? I don't know, Zena. <laughs> you tell me. But they're all here now, so it's all good. Uh, Gen C Bonneville, great analogy. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and review that. Um, let's see here. Uh, pa uh, Pamela Jane. Hey, Pamela Jane. How are you doing tonight? Thank you for gifting the cookie. Hugs to you, my friend. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of shows on right now at the fight. This is prime time, guys. Prime time, and uh, and uh, as they say, may the free market win, or or may the best. Anyway, you know how it goes, right? The free market rules, guys. You know, if, if you're not here at the C Report, I know you're enjoying yourselves anyhow, and I'll be here anyway. So it's not like I'm going to hold it against you guys. Uh, Pamela Jane says everyone suffered from 9/11. That is in that, that's more more true than anything else. Uh, and, and indeed that's, uh, that's, uh, that's why a lot of people are not just patriots will be upset, uh, by what is happening. Tam Grell's in the house. Good evening, Tam Grell. How are you doing tonight? Um, and Mitridate, my friend said if the booster shot made hit. <laughs> okay. Mitridate. Now here's the big whoop on that. Uh, cause I think you just wanted me to say the word penis. Okay. <laughs> But anyways, uh, a studies show that men who have taken the COVID-19 jab have actually had higher rates in increase of erectile dysfunction. Studies show, okay? So like aside from like uh, permanently poisoning your specimen, uh, you also will not be able to function, which means that uh, non-jabbed men will be, uh, you know, they will be very, very, very sought out on the market. <laughs> 
Joy. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, nothing I would worry about for someone in my situation anyways, but uh, all right. Uh, let's see what else we got here in the chat room. Uh, casual GG. Good evening. And the ha is in the house. Yeah. Joan Rivers is Nancy Pelosi. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't think she could get her voice not to sound like that. Unless that's the reason why she sounds like such a robot. Unless they're doing deep fake stuff, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see Joan Rivers being Nancy Pelosi. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a big Biden exit with an uh, with a false flag narrative, says Aurelius Locke. Uh, yeah, I think that's very possible. Uh, we're, I mean, at this point, guys, we're just waiting like this with the popcorn at the like corner of our mouth, really, guys, because uh, they have defied all expectations for everyone, for better or for worse. But that that's what makes a good story, though, don't you think so? Uh, I mean, if I can predict the outcome of the story, I don't want to see it. I don't want to read it. I don't want to watch it. It's not worth my time, uh, but they have definitely defied all expectations during this entire process of awakening and uh, restoration of the United States of America and and liberation of the uh, human race from the uh, slaveholders that are still controlling this uh, planet. And uh, we'll get to that later on tonight when we talk about BlackRock, ladies and gentlemen, and it won't be the last time you hear about it. W.C. Cranop is in the house. Good evening, sir. Good to have you with us. Um, and uh, WC Cranop says, if I really, if I really being given all money that the text said I won received, it'll be around 75k in two days. LMAO. Uh, good job. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, WC. And I also cannot read your sentence. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, can we talk? Everybody knows Michelle is a tranny. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows. Uh, Philly Q drops a link in the chat. It looks like uh, it says, uh, it says, Jewel stolen. Tiffany's need returned. President Trump drops breaking bombshell gateway. Oh, this must be part of, uh, this must be part of the uh, interview that President Trump is having with the gateway pundit tomorrow. It's supposed to air. Tomorrow, um, Gateway Pundit's been making a pretty big whoop about it, and justly so. Uh, they're live streaming the video tomorrow. Uh, I hope they don't mind that Liz Harrington over at uh, um, uh, uh, Save America Pack um, has already like aired parts of that interview. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, who do you think? Who do you think uh, they stole the uh, jewels from? Um, that, uh, well, I mean, from Tiffany's, ob obviously. Now, now, when I read that, uh, that little bit of the headline, the first thing I thought was of that Tiffany blue box that, uh, Melania gave to, uh, Michael Obama. Uh, you know, probably had like, uh, I don't know, a, um, I don't know, something for her, her drag queen lifestyle. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so like, uh, let's see here. Uh, Oh my goodness. Okay. So I went over to uh gateway real quick and they have, they have a headline with a uh, Hillary Clinton there and ain't worth looking at it. Good evening. Just V. How are you doing? Who's Doug anyways? Okay. So Empress is in the house as well. Good evening. And uh, let's see. Yeah. Philly Q, Philly Q. One, two, three SKG. Good evening, sir. James Woods is one I miss since dropping uh, Twitter. Yeah, I mean, well, that was that was one of the main points of these individuals was that uh, James Woods has been gone because he's been busy playing President Biden. 
and fooling the world and, and deserving, you know, a, an Emmy or an Academy Award or a Golden Globe or, or a Grammy or something. I don't know. I know. I know there's a difference between those. But anyways, we'll see. I mean, psh. If it's, if it's true, wowzers. Uh, Deborah Erdman, good evening. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Hello and good to see you as well. Empress uh, Bishchu, thank you for gifting the cookie uh, because you deserve more. I appreciate that, sweetie. Um, but uh, free market, right? Anyways, so <laughs> uh, Joe has declared war on the people. Indeed, he has. WC Cranop says the debt will be forgiven once the Fed is audited um, and uh, deep state bankers worldwide economy collapses and we reset to a new standard and not uh, GND. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know, that's the thing, uh, WC, is like President Trump nationalized the Fed. Granted, this was done in 2020. So, I mean, one of the questions was that was floating amongst a different water cooler was how do we know that he he did not already audit the Fed Um, or, you know, how do we know that it was in the process of being audited? Um, Because, you know, for crying out loud, guys, like uh, that, that was one of my biggest bones, if not the biggest bone to pick was the Federal Reserve Central Bank and how we're debt slaves and how we're being taxed to make a living which means we're paying to survive. We're paying to live. I mean, it's, it's almost worse as, as a paying to breathe, you know, which they tried to do too. And Biden has already attempted to bring back as well. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely a hundred percent, uh, the debt will be forgiven. That is, that is, that is something I genuinely believe will happen. I just don't think it will happen under the auspices of Jasara Nasara. And then also to that point, um, I think that uh, it, it may be something like that, but it will not necessarily be the way that that uh, that, uh, you know, what was it? The uh, national something, 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 something. I mean, it's, it stood for something global economy, something. Anyways, Jasara Nasara, it's an acronym, whatever, you know, but, um, you know, like we had, uh, we had the debt, uh, we had the, the, the Federal Reserve being nationalized. Okay. That was one thing. Uh, and then, um, from there, it's like, a wolf. I guess we'll figure out where we go from there because, uh, uh, they're still holding on to their reins as hard as they can. Um, to my understanding, the Federal Reserve whose charter did expire, a couple of years back, I heard the charter was not actually um, um, uh, reinitiated. So we'll see how that happens. We'll see how that happens. But uh, most definitely, I do think that we will have a debt uh, forgiveness uh, at some point. I mean, it has to be done. Uh, all of these, all of these debts are basically false and under pro- uh, um, false pretenses and fraudulent, uh, so to speak, because of that. And um, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had, we've had the ability to have our, our uh, currency at true value stripped from us and and totally de- depleted. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it would definitely uh, need to go with that. Now, as far as the world economy collapse, worldwide banking, uh, we'll see about that also. Uh, there's a lot of talks about that happening right now when we're talking about, uh, uh, we're, we're hearing about China's economy uh, reaching to a point where it might falter. And they are the number one buyer of United States debt, but, as we will also see, BlackRock has something to do with that too, uh, since they uh, they actually uh, provide money and relief to the Federal Reserve Central Bank in a surprising twist of events. So that's another thing that we have to think about. If we really do have James Woods and Joan Rivers running around fooling 
the sleeping Americans and the Patriots um, so that this way they can orchestrate a way to wake up the masses, they still have to think about the other globalist uh, people. And they say it's about 1,500 of them, you know, in total, all in the uh, most strategic and important, uh, you know, position uh, to move the levers and to, um, you know, move the story along as is necessary. But you still have to contend with those individuals. And uh, I guess we'll see how it goes from there in that regard. This is a very interesting, a very interesting uh, topic of discussion, if you ask me. Um, let's see here. Uh, one two three SKG, thank you for gifting the can, my friend, and good to have you in with the uh, with the um, uh, the rest of us here at the. <laughs> what am I trying to say? The audience, yeah. Um, and let's see here. Uh, what else we got here? Blueberry muffins cooking. Oh, that sounds delicious. Just V, I am quite a fan of blueberry muffins. Uh, Occupational safety and health administration. Thank you, Mr. Aurelius Locke. Uh, OSHA is corrupt too, you know. And uh, let's see, it says uh, Just V. Um, let's see here. Uh, Sherry Pittsburgh, uh, except postal folks. I wonder why. Um, I actually had that information as far as the post service goes. Um, they, let me see here if I still have the United States Postal Service is not one of the agencies compelled to uh, require COVID-19 vaccination under the um, mandate from uh, Herr Biden. Um, let me see here. I can get you the answer real quick, um, Sherry Pittsburgh, uh, as to what is up with the United States Postal Service. My contacts are so cloudy right now, guys. I'm seeing blotches. Okay, so sorry, guys. Uh, let's see here. Biden not, Biden not. Um, oh, here we go. Okay, so uh, the answer to your question, lovely, is... Um, uh, COVID-19 vaccination requirements included in the White House executive order issued on September 9th for federal employees do not apply to the uh, Postal Service. Um, let's see here. Uh, regarding uh, regarding other vaccination rules expected to be issued by the federal government, the Postal Service has no comment. Um, hmm, I thought it explained why. Hmm. Oh, here we go. This is the reason why, guys. Uh, it's because the Postal Service is an independent agency of the executive branch. It was established in 2006, replacing the cabinet level United States Post Office Department. The head of the Postal Service is chosen by a nine person board of governors. The board members are appointed by the president and require confirmation by the United States Senate. Um, the, uh, there are over 630,000 people who work for the United States Postal Service. And, uh, there was another detail in here that I remember, but my eyes are so clouded right now. I'm having trouble reading. Um, oh, an executive branch agency as defined. Okay. So, uh, Biden said in remarks, uh, for this executive order that it would require all executive branch federal employees to be vaccinated. Um, the United States Postal Service is not an executive branch agency. An executive branch agency, as defined by 5 U.S. Code 105, means an executive department, a government corporation, and an independent, estab uh, and an independent establishment. So uh, they're an independent agency, so it, the rules don't apply to them. So they're going to uh, be able to uh, get away with not getting the jab. Good for them. I've had friends who are post workers, so they will be, uh, they will not have to worry about that at least. 
uh, in that regard. So most definitely. All right. Good question. Good question. Hope I got you the answer you wanted to hear, ma'am. Um, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Troy312, totally agree with you there in that regard, says you leave Americans behind, then you can, then you say you care about Americans' lives, uh, you know, F off, you POS, POS potato. <laughs> uh, yes. Aha, uh, uh-huh. casual GG says, uh, for the record, Mr. C, I'm white with no mask and no vax. Hooray, uh, defying those expectations. I love it. Uh, breaks my heart when I'm explaining the jab when they are people who had taken it, uh, when there are people who taken it present at Mr. C. Yeah. Well, I mean, guys, like the other day that I did one show, it was the one show where I was talking about, um, I was talking about uh, how the viral load was higher in those who took the vaccine and all the other stuff about the vaccine and and uh, someone in my family who took the vaccine was present. And I live in a loft, so you can hear everything. So uh, I, I don't know how they felt, uh, but um, I mean, I was like, well, you say you listen to the news, but you don't listen. No, <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something you don't hear on your TV, okay? Uh, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> hey, you have a pie, Michael. How you doing? Good to see you, sir. Okay, guys. Uh, Connie, catch up. How's it going? Uh, good to see you, ma'am. All right. I think we're good, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and jump to the report. Now, as I said, at the onset of this, uh, you know, we haven't even jumped into the report yet. I just kind of went off on this topic of uh, this mandate. Um, thank you for the cookie, Shanjo, and good uh, good to see you, sir. Good to see you, my friend. Glad you're Glad you're with us. Um, and if anyone I missed in the chat, howdy and hello. I think I got all of y'all though. I, I've gotten pretty good about doing that, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about today's report. Like I said, we got, uh, we got calls for, uh, Lloyd Austin and Victoria Millie's resignation. Uh, we have, uh, the NARA going woke for the second time. And also we will be talking a little bit about who this entity corporate, uh, um, master is that is called BlackRock. Some of you guys may have known about them. Some of you may have heard about them, Aurelius, but uh, we'll start digging into BlackRock a little bit today. And uh, by way of an introduction into who they are and what they do and who runs them. And then uh, maybe we'll expand a little bit later into uh, some more interesting topics of discussion in regards to BlackRock. If you guys have not seen it, uh, we did air President Trump's uh, latest um, uh, video, which was a memorial to 9-11. Uh, so if you were late, you didn't get to see it. Uh, but if you go over to um, DonaldJTrump.com or Office45.com, I'm sure you can see it there. Or if enough of you want me to, I will play it again at the end of the show. Uh, but that was his uh, latest video. It is a brief memorial and much more heartfelt and meaningful than anything illegitimate joke could do. Uh, but it is a memorial to uh, the fallen and uh, of um, of 9/11 in commemoration um, of those and in honor. So excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, other than that, guys, we really did not have any other statements from President Trump. Friday afternoon, day before 9/11's anniversary, our memorial. Uh, President Trump is not releasing a statement, but um, to uh, to uh, lighten the load uh, and uh, bring a bit of levity over into our hearts. Uh, we are most definitely going to resume. Uh, we have the third installment or the finale 
or part two of uh, Greg Gutfield's uh, interview with President Trump. So we're going to kick it off there, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll get into the rest of our story because President Trump does lead at the Sea Report, as always and forever. Uh, so uh, let's sit back a spell. This one's not so long. And, uh, you know, let's, let's enjoy ourselves. Get your snacks. Get your snacks. I'll see you in a minute. I've got to ask you about uh, Hunter Biden's new profession. Have you seen any of his paintings? No, I haven't seen them. I've seen, uh, I guess, uh, some newspaper shots of them. Could you imagine if that was uh, you, your Don son? Jr. Don Jr. has decided to go into painting. While he's never painted before, <laughs> he wants 500000 a shot. And you know what? They don't even go after him. No. You, and, and he paints with a straw, which is a new use for a straw for him. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard that one, I said, oh, this one will never. This one, even the fake news media will not allow He's selling these paintings. Yes. Yeah. If my kids ever did that, they could they could do good things. Yes. I have a son raised twenty million dollars for St. Jude's, and he was under two years of investigation, and he got nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Two years of investigation. He raised twenty million. I get the most beautiful letter from the head of St. Jude's that this young man. I won't even say which one of my kids, because why should I? It'd be great if Don Jr. or Eric started selling sketches and giving the money to like drug addiction programs, you know, just like some really primitive sketches before before Hunter ever sells a painting. Well, and this was during, you know, if, if you go during the presidency to do yeah. this. Okay? Yes. Yeah. But I think the paintings are the least of it. Yeah. You know that. Oh, yeah. You mentioned paint. That's the least. Of it. Well, there's the gun violations and, and well, well, there's a load of other things. Too. You know what? We had a much softer Justice Department. And uh, let's say that they didn't like doing that. And I understand that, too. I don't want to see a family in trouble. Yeah. And he's got some difficulties, which are very serious <laughs> difficulties in terms of what happened to him with abuse, right. et cetera, et cetera. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you can't do it to Republicans. And I say to some of the Republicans, especially the rhinos, because we have some very stupid Republicans also. Yeah. I say, don't you sometimes have to fight fire with fire? What do you uh, what are your plans for uh, 2024? So I love our country. I think you'll be very happy. I would say this uh, two, three years ago. You might not have been that happy, but now I think you'd be very happy. <laughs> Uh, I think especially when you see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. We have, no, we're gonna, I'll make a decision in the not too distant future, but I love our country and I think a lot of people are going to be very happy. And if you look at the poll numbers, I certainly like that because yeah. it's, uh, we got one the other day, 98% approval rating in the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Nobody, Reagan had 87. We have a 98% approval rating. And that makes me feel good. It makes me feel appreciated. Not like a guy like you that could be critical. <laughs> Huh? In the past, only in the past. <laughs> all right, so I have to ask you: Do you miss Twitter at all? Do you would you have? Do you tweet in your head, like because yeah. you're not on there anymore? Well, you know, a lot of people think Twitter was bad for me. I disagree. I think it was good for me. Uh, <laughs> Twitter's become a very boring place. Yes. I, as I understand, I don't want to be like ragging or anything, but people are saying it's become very boring. Yeah, you, you made that. You made the site. You know, when I went onto Twitter like 12 years ago, Twitter was a failed operation, mm -hmm. and it became successful. And a lot of people said I had a lot to do with it. When they took me off, I had way over 100 million people. Mm -hmm. And then if you add Facebook and everything else, it's over 200 million people. That's a lot. You go from 200 million people to nothing overnight. What I do now is I have Save America, and I release things, and I'm right. getting tremendous play. And we're suing Twitter, Facebook, Google. We're suing them all. 
a class action suit. Anybody wants to join, please join. Feel, feel free. <laughs> but we're suing them. I think it's a great lawsuit. These people are sick. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Zuckerberg used to come, you know, the lock boxes, which I call the unlock boxes because they unlock. Mm-hmm. So the unlock boxes all over the place. But he used to come to the White House to kiss my ass. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, that's nice. I have the head of... I had the head of Facebook coming with his lovely wife, and they come in and have dinner with me in the White House. And then you see what they do about me and about Republicans, and it's just sort of crazy. But that's the way the world works. Uh, when you are watching how the media treats Joe Biden, this is such an obvious question, but it's worth bringing up. There's always a game that we play on the five. It's like, imagine if it's Trump. If you look at the certain things, that, like Joe Biden leaving behind Afghan, Afghan translators. Yeah. If it were you, you would be called a racist. Correct, because oh, no. they're because they're and they'd be impeaching me. They would be impeaching you for they're, many, many different. And now you have this phone call, right? This phone call that he made to the Afghan president, not asking him to lie, yeah. right? So that is that is not a perfect phone call. No, that is not. My call was a perfect call. <laughs> so how do they? How do they? How does how does the psychologists? How do they square that in their head, knowing what they did before? And I'm talking about the media. You know, my call when I heard there was a. We sent it to the Justice Department. Yeah. These guys, not, I didn't know who they were. There were certain division. And they called back and they said, uh, we've read this transcript three or four times. Uh, what exactly are you looking for? You know, these are guys that are looking at drug deals and all sorts of bad stuff. They're going, what is it you are looking for? They, yeah. they couldn't figure it out. It was a perfect call. When you watch this call, this was not a good yeah. call. No. This was not a good call. No, he was asking him to lie yeah. in order to make it look better. Maybe to make himself look better or politically, whatever. But it was but like. I've been calling Ghani a crook for a yeah. long time. He'd be lucky he with how, how much money? He walked away with $200 million. Yeah. In fact, he couldn't get it all into the helicopter. They left a lot of it on the runway. Do you think some people at the airport were happy? me. It just kills me. And you and don't that's even hear money. that story. You don't even hear that story. No. no, you don't. And you don't hear that much about. Afghanistan anymore. You know, I watch the evening news and they talk about everything they can, but they don't like to talk about Afghanistan. All right. That was powerful. Okay. Let me pause and scan because I think there might be a little bit more. And we're obviously not going to watch his show unless you guys want to. Nope. Sorry. Don't got the time for it. Plenty available over on Fox. Who's that? Oh, is that a... It's been there forever. I think that was it. I didn't do a pre-scan. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're done. Okay, well, that was that was quite a way to leave the uh, Trump interview. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. That's all we got from Mr. Gutfeld. Uh, and uh, the President Trump interview. Pretty fun. He could have squeezed it into one episode if he really wanted to, I think. Uh, but yes, anyhow, anyhow. Good evening, Narco uh, Hampon TV. Welcome into the chat, sir. Good to see you. And Whiskey Blue. Hails, friend. How are you doing today? Whiskey Blue says, do we have to suffer that long? Our country can't handle two more years of Chiden. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that long. I really don't think it's going to be that long, but uh, who's to say? Like I said, they keep defying our expectations at every corner. All right, guys, let's see what we got next up for you all on the menu. 
Mr. C, what do you think uh, we should do with the rhinos? Asks Narco Hampon TV. It is rhino hunting season, my friend. It is rhino hunting season. And that indeed is what we are doing right now. We're primarying the heck out of them. And, uh, you know, uh, with, with, you know, there's uh, thanks to be given to President Trump for endorsing against him and speaking out against him. And that's another thing. I, I'd seen an article today also uh, where they were the title of the article was uh, something to the effect of this. Uh, President Trump is uh, running a shadow government after all. Okay. And this was mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media. Right. This was like, I don't know, the Washington Compost or or I don't know, um Vox or something like that, uh, but but in in the article they are talking about how he's uh, still basically uh, you know the power structure for the Republicans or the conservatives. He's basically their leader, um, and he's uh, and and what former president goes and speaks to uh, you gold star families, and what former president goes and gives his opinion on you know um, foreign affairs and stuff like that. Uh, they're just you know they're 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 trashing him and telling him that he's stepping out of bounds and stuff like that. Uh, but I mean, uh, there you go again with this, this, uh, this interesting narrative, uh, quite the synchronicity when, uh, we have people in the uh, conservative Patriot, uh, you know, um, communities that, uh, kind of feel like there is a shadow administration being run behind the backs of the deep staters, uh, you know, much to their chagrin, uh, karmic, karmically inspired as that is. Uh, and then you have um, the, uh, you know, legacy fake news media that is constantly trashing on President Trump because he is still involved and engaged. So I guess they seem to forget that uh, as a one term president, he still has the ability, you know, to uh, run again for office. Uh, if it were to play out to where he did it in 2024, which I think it won't be that long, honestly, but don't quote me. I am totally fallible. You know, um, uh, he would only be the second president in history that served two terms that were not consecutive. You know, so according to our history books, it's been done once before. It could happen again. And maybe that will be maybe that's that maybe that's plan C or plan B. You know, if they can't pull off what they're doing right now. Um, or, or if uh, things don't land that way, but it's totally possible. Uh, will we make it? Uh, you know, will we make it? Very good question there. Um, 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 a very good question to ask. Um, uh, my friend there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> whiskey blue. Uh, but uh, I guess we will have to wait and see. Uh, keep our faith and maintain our patience and stay active and activated and uh and busy you know all right uh who are the flag officers of america you might be wondering and some of you guys may have heard of them before or maybe you've heard about them but weren't too sure exactly who they were um you guys remember uh there was a letter that was released and signed like by uh, 80 some odd no no it wasn't 80 it was like a hundred and something retired generals and admirals that were basically alerting America, alerting Americans, uh, alerting other service members uh, that uh, America has fallen uh, in the hands of communism. Well, uh, that's this group right here, ladies and gentlemen, a flag officers for America. Uh, now the flag officers for America released, uh, I believe this was dated August 27th. So just about uh, within the last, within the last two weeks, um, uh, they released a letter 
calling for um, the resignation and or and or retirement of um, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, the uh, war machine loving military military industrial complex um, representative, um, and also uh, General Mark Victoria Milley. Um, uh, in the wake of this botched Afghanistan withdrawal, okay, uh, the group is calling for accountability for the mission that has gone wrong and for the lives that have been lost and may be lost. Of course, um, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin uh, and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, General Victoria Milley, have been called upon to resign by this group amongst others, including politicians. So you know this has been happening. Now in this open letter, uh, they basically uh, call for accountability. So let's take a gander, ladies and gentlemen, at this letter from, and again, this is signed by 87 retired generals and admirals. Um, and they are actually asking for more. Anyone who wants to represent or add their name to this document can do so at their website. We'll take a look at that in just a minute. It is an open letter from retired generals and admirals regarding Afghanistan. Um, let's see here. The retired flag officers signing this letter are calling for the resignation and retirement of the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the G Joint Chiefs of Staff based on negligence and performance performing their duties, primarily involving events surrounding the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. The hasty retreat has left initial estimates at 15,000 Americans stranded in dangerous areas, controlled by a brutal enemy, along with 25,000 Afghan citizens who supported American forces. What should have happened upon learning of the commander-in-chief's plan to quickly withdraw our forces and close the important power projection base, Bagram, without adequate plans and forces in place to conduct the entire operation in an orderly fashion? As principal military advisors to the uh, commander-in-chief, the uh, secretary of defense and the uh, chief of the joint, the, <laughs> the chief, the uh, chairman of the joint chiefs of staff, should have recommended against this dangerous withdrawal in the strongest possible terms. If they did not do everything within their authority to stop the hasty withdrawal, they should resign. Conversely, if they did do everything within their ability to persuade the commander-in-chief to not hastily exit the country without ensuring the safety of our citizens and Afghans loyal to America, then they should have resigned in protest as a matter of conscience and public statement. The consequences of this disaster are enormous and will reverberate for decades, beginning with the safety of Americans and Afghans who are unable to move safely to evacuation points, therefore being a de facto hostages of the Taliban at this time. The death and torture of Afghans has already begun and will result in a human tragedy of major proportions, the loss of billions of dollars in advanced military equipment and supplies falling into the hands of our enemies is catastrophic. The damage to the reputation of the United States is indescribable. We are now seen and will be seen for many years as an unreliable partner in any multinational agreement or operation. Trust in the United States is irreparably damaged. Moreover, now our adversaries are emboldened to move against America due to the weakness displayed in Afghanistan. China benefits the most, followed by Russia, Pakistan, Iran, North Korea, and others. 
Terrorists around the world are emboldened and able to pass freely into our country through our open border with Mexico. Besides these military operational reasons for resignations, there are leadership, training, and morale reasons for resignations. In interviews, congressional testimony, and public statements, it has become clear that top leaders in our military are placing mandatory emphasis on PC wokeness related training, which is extremely divisive and harmful to unit cohesion, readiness, and warfighting capability. Our military exists to fight and win our nation's wars, and that must be the sole focus of our top military leaders. For these reasons, we call on the Secretary of Defense, Austin, and the uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, General Victoria Milley, to resign. A fundamental principle in the military is holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions or inactions. There must be accountability at all levels for this tragic and avoidable debacle. Signed, uh, 87 retired um, generals and admirals to this letter. Um, this is the this is the second type of um, the second type of um, public letter or declaration that we've seen from retired generals and officers in regards to the situation that America is currently in. Sorry, guys, my eyeballs itching now. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, this is second second type second kind second time we've seen a letter being introduced calling for uh, there is a, a resignation or for a rectification of things going wrong. Um, and uh, very interesting too, because you know, uh, here it's pretty plain and clearly spelled out for us. Again, going through the mainstream legacy fake news media outlets, uh, they have stories to the effect that uh, it was not in fact $80 billion. Most of that was salaries. Oh wait, you mean most of that was the money that we were paying the Afghan soldiers to fight their own war? Hmm. I mean, plausible, is it acceptable? No, not at all. You know, and then th that is also the cherry on top being that uh, General Victoria Milley said uh, that this was the way it was going to be. Uh, everything went exactly the way that they had planned. And and then, of course, you know, uh, we all heard Trump saying that interview with that idiot, uh, that Hugh, Hugh Hewitt guy uh, that Milley was saying, uh, Milley was saying uh, uh, it's too expensive to, to, to move our equipment out of here. So Milley, obviously, uh, he's playing, he's batting for some team, Victoria. I think uh, I think maybe we can kind of figure out exactly whose team he's batting for, right? Uh, but yeah, so a very interesting letter I thought I would share with you all, uh, particularly since they are also um, asking anyone else who served before would like to sign this letter as well. Uh, just as a quick uh, refresher, uh, this is the one that really broke headlines in regards to uh, Flag Officers for America. Again, a group of retired generals and admirals and captains as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this was the open letter uh, from uh, the open letter from the retired generals and admirals in regards to the situation here in America. And we won't read all of this. Um, I'll give you guys the website in case you all want to take a gander or download these letters because they're downloadable as well. Um, our nation is in deep peril. We are in a fight for survival uh, as a constitutional republic like no other time since our founding in 1776. The conflict is between supporters of socialism and Marxism versus supporters of constitutional freedom and liberty. 
During the 2020 election, an open letter from senior military leaders was signed by 317 retired generals and admirals, and it said the 2020 election could be the most important election since our country was founded. With the Democrat Party welcoming Marxists and socialists, our history, our, our historic way of life is at stake. Unfortunately, that statement's truth was quickly revealed, beginning with the election process itself. Without fair and honest elections that accurately reflect the will of the people, our constitutional republic is lost. Election integrity demands ensuring there is one legal vote cast and counted per citizen. Legal votes are identified by state legislatures, approved control using government IDs, verified signatures, etc. Today, many are calling such common sense controls racist in an attempt to avoid having fair and honest elections. Using racial terms to suppress proof of eligibility is itself a tyrannical intimidation tactic. Additionally, the rule of law must be enforced in our election process to ensure integrity. The FBI and Supreme Court must act swiftly when elected irregularities are surfaced and not ignored and not ignore them as was done in 2020. Finally, HR1 and S1, if passed, would destroy election fairness and allow Democrats to forever remain in power, violating our constitution and ending our representative republic. Aside from the election, the current administration has launched a full-blown assault on our constitutional rights in a dictatorial manner, bypassing the Congress with more than 50 executive orders quickly signed, like on day one and two, uh, many revising the previous administration's effective policies and regulations. Moreover, population control actions such as excessive lockdowns, school and business closures, and most alarming, censorship of written and verbal expression are all direct assaults on our fundamental rights. We must support and hold accountable politicians who will not act or who will act to counter socialism. Oh, wait. Yeah, we must support and hold accountable politicians who will act to counter socialism, Marxism, and progressivism, support our constitutional republic, and insist on fiscally responsible uh, governing while focusing on all Americans, especially the middle class, not special interests or extremist groups, which are used to divide us into warring factions. A very powerful letter indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, this is separate from the one that was signed by the generals, retired and admirals uh, um, in regards to the presidential election of 2020 being the most important. And they had a great points there as well. Uh, but this one came out afterward. This one was actually released in August last month. Um, and uh, the one that we read prior to it was just released this month. Now, uh, uh, it, they go into some more points here, additional nas national security issues. They talk about open borders. Uh, they talk about human trafficking, um, the dangers of COVID-19. Uh, they talk about China as the greatest external threat to America. Um, they talk about uh, the free flow of information. Um, and uh, and how it's critical for security. You know, we're talking about leaks here, and we're talking about uh, First Amendment rights. Uh, and uh, they talk about Iran. They talk about the Keystone Pipeline. Um, they talk about the rule of law and how it's been breached and broken by the DOJ. They talk about the mental and physical con uh, uh, condition of illegitimate Joe Biden. So, anyhow, very very interesting letter. Again, this one has been signed. Also, I think this one was uh, eighty-seven. No. 
This one was um, 160 plus individual uh, uh, retired um, servicemen uh, leaders uh, who signed this letter too. So uh, uh, just thought I'd share that with you guys. And now this is the website, Flag Officers for America. Let me uh, pull open the full screen. So it's uh, flagofficersforamerica.com with the number four, not not the uh, not the alphabetic spelled out uh for word for but it's uh flag officers for america.com um and uh yeah uh, see it says here join the call for generals uh austin and millie to resign over 160 retired generals and admirals have joined this call and growing uh, so you can do that there uh, uh this is one thing i really liked here i think it was this one uh take action um, let me expand that for you. I want to share this with you guys also. I, I really like this. Uh, Citizens Action Plan for America. Uh, some of the highlights in this action plan include education. The Citizens Action Plan starts with taking back control over our children's education. Parents and citizens control their schools, not administrators, boards, or unions. Critical race theory and Project 1619 must not be taught in our schools. Uh, local politics. Elect officials from county commissioners to mayors who support traditional values, including law enforcement, insist that the Pledge of Allegiance open all public meetings, volunteer as a poll worker or watcher, vote uh, to have your county, town, city become sanctuary places for First and Second Amendments, rights to uh, resist any effort from the national level to restrict your freedom of speech, religion, assembly, and to keep and bear arms, uh, law enforcement, elect and support sheriffs and DAs who will enforce the rule of law equally, tell your local law enforcement officials, police department, you appreciate their dedicated service, uh, the Citizens Action Plan gives Americans some ideas about what they can do locally to counter the socialist Marxist movement against our constitutional republic. The bottom line for citizens is to get involved now. The voice of the we the people must be heard. Do not wait until 2022. And you can actually download this action plan as well, as I shall illustrate here. And uh, this is what it looks like. I mean, it's it's a literal like uh, bullet point action plan, how to get involved. Uh, and like, again, the under the bullet of education, it tells you uh, different things that you can do, gives you different ideas uh, in the field of politics, getting involved with your local government, you know, elect those with traditional values as uh, commissioners, clerks, uh, county committees. Uh, elect those with traditional values as mayors, city council members, various uh, committees at town and city levels, attend meetings at county, town and city levels and speak out, um, require the Pledge of Allegiance to open all county, town and city meetings, um, volunteer to be poll workers or watchers, stay informed on legislative actions at the state and national level, phone, write letters, emails to elected officials, present your concerns to your congressional and Senate local district representatives, elect those with conservative values to Republican Party precinct positions to represent your local interests, contribute to campaigns, money and or volunteer work and etc. Now, you know, like I know that this is kind of a no brainer for a lot of us out there, but there are a lot of us out there that really have no idea where to begin with this kind of thing, you know, that want to get involved, uh, that are kind of like, well, is there any anything else beyond just, you know, writing or phone calling my representative. And it's like, oh yeah, don't forget your senator. <laughs> but no, but you know, indeed there's, there indeed is a whole lot more. Um, so I think that this is invaluable information to be quite honest with you all. 
I think it, it would be ready uh, for any any of you who who are wondering or who have been curious because you know uh, coming from an apolitical family um, and and homeschooled during my middle school years when they're teaching you civics and all that stuff I did not learn a lick of anything about local government and I suffer for it to this day you know so just as an example there are plenty of people out there that uh, may not know um, or or or, or maybe too shy to ask exactly what they can do to get involved. But uh, I thought this was a great place to start, especially under the, uh, under the, uh, the, the watchful gaze of retired generals, admirals, and captains who still um, live by their oath and still abide by the Constitution and want the best for this country and for its people. So why not? Right, America? Why not? Speaking of which... Who are these SOBs? Uh -huh. Oh, that's right. We got Darth Vader and Victoria on the screen. Sorry, guys. Yep, some swamp creatures. Uh, military industrial complex hack and uh, woke. I almost said woke societies. Woke hack. <laughs> Victoria Millie. Um, and uh, let's see. So, yes, uh, they are calling for the resignation, as we just mentioned. Uh, now to fill you guys in, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and... General Mark Victoria Milley will actually be testifying before the Senate Armed Forces Committee. Uh, I think it's scheduled for September 8th on a panel uh, wherein they will ask them what the hell happened in Afghanistan and who signed the line, right? So uh, just so you guys know, uh, the Senate does have this coming up. Um, and uh, they will be uh, they will be uh, they will be uh, testifying in a hearing uh, of revolving around Afghanistan, an Afghanistan Senate hearing asking all of the questions, ladies and gentlemen. So we look forward to that. Maybe we'll do a live stream of it. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, uh, these kinds of hearings, guys, if you can sit through them, you know, uh, gold stars for you. And I don't mean uh, I don't mean the uh, gold stars of the uh, non-vaxxed and the non-masked. <laughs> Anyways. OK, so. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I put them on the screen just for that. All right, let's talk about the NARA. What the heck is the NARA, you might ask? It is the uh, National Archive and uh, Records Administration, okay? And they are going as woke as General Milley, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what is going on with the NARA? This is a, this is a, uh, um, a public woke alert announcement, in regards to one of our governmental agencies going woke. It happens from time to time. No telling who they got working over there. Some um, rascally SJW or some, uh, you know, um, rascally little liberal progressive. Uh, but apparently the National Archives um, and Records Administration has placed warning labels, warning labels on its digital display of America's founding documents. Uh, we're talking about like kind of like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram does to our uh, our posts. Warning may not be uh, may not be uh, what do you call it? May not be woke. Uh, warning might be racist. Warning danger. Intolerant document. Hate document. Like this, the National Archives and Records Administration. Uh, uh, an agency of our government that uh, archives some of our most sacred documents and artifacts is really putting this on. That's I, it's I, I it 
it flabbergasts me, ladies and gentlemen, to be quite honest with you. I can't believe that it would even go so far as to apply to, but I mean, I guess if they're trying to take down our statues or not trying to, they are removing our statues and all of that stuff. I guess it stands to reason that it would go this far and go this deep. Now, as I said, they're displaying warning labels on America's founding documents, including the United States Constitution, okay, and the Declaration of Independence, warning uh, warning viewers and readers that they may contain harmful language. Can you believe that, guys? It might contain harmful language, may cause you to want to be free, may cause you to seek liberty, could be harmful to the establishment. It's probably what the clause in there should say that they're not showing you all. Uh, the labels come amidst a larger battle over political correctness inside the government's main historical preservation agency, where new documents surfaced this week showing that about 800 National Archives and Records Administration employees from across the country attended a town hall meeting of the Archives Task Force on Racism on May 11th, 2021, and discussed deleting the Charters of Freedom description for the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration. Now, never mind the time period that uh, these, uh, you know, divine documents were uh, written, drafted, you know, never mind the era of uh, mankind's existence that we're told uh, that these documents, uh, you know, came from as it stands today in, in, in real life and in living color. Uh, these documents apply to all American citizens, not just citizens of a particular pigmentation or, um, you know, ethnic background. So I don't understand it. I don't understand how these people are going to erase, you know, uh, the charters of freedom are going to warn that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, nay, even the Bill of Rights, I would not doubt, could be dangerous. I don't get it. I mean, it's it, it makes absolute no sense. Uh, we're living in upside down world. Uh, this is truly the world of the devil. Satan, the devil and the government, as my parents used to say. Um, the new harmful language alert labels on the Constitution, Bill of Rights and Declaration include an explainer of why they could be viewed as harmful by someone. L allow us now to humor the logic of the woke and uh, um, liberal lack of mentality. It says, NARA's records span the history of the United States and is it is our charge to preserve and make available these historical records. As a result, some of the materials presented here may reflect outdated, biased, offensive, and possibly violent views and opinions, such as your right to bear arms against the establishment, right? In addition, some of the materials may relate to violent or graphic events and preserved and are preserved for their historical significance. And they couldn't manage to do that with any of the statues around America. Hmm, go figure. Goodness, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, that is quite uh, infuriating, actually. I mean, um, yeah, people are getting infuriated at Biden for doing this mandate, right? 
or I mean, and rightly so for Afghanistan, but that crap, that infuriates me right there. Now, like I said, the NARA has done this before, okay? Uh, the last time that they were at this, um, they attempted to, uh, they attempted to um, uh, label, label everything in their rotunda um, that, um, what do you call it? Uh, like that were historical artifacts. Okay, so like actual animate objects. Um, they, they attempted to label all of the artifacts, historical artifacts in their museum rotunda as being of structural racism. And again, guys, it makes absolutely no freaking sense. Uh, I mean, nowhere in the Bill of Rights does it say, if thou art black, thou shan't be free, you know, or you are commanded to be a slave, or if thou art Hispanic, Mexican, Latino descent, that thou art commanded to be a house servant. Nowhere does it say that. It doesn't say all men should be free unless you're not white. You know, it makes absolutely no sense. And yes, it makes my blood boil as well. And uh, talking about cleaning out the swamp, uh, I think uh, that they need to clean out that agency as well. And, and then it says they went to this, this meeting on racism. It makes you wonder who funded it, right? Makes you wonder who funded, who drafted, who dreamt up this little this little town hall meeting on racism for the uh, the archivists of America. Um, to go ahead and brainwash them or get their buy-in, they must have had like I don't know, uh, really nice stationary gift sets or something for them, right? And and gift cards to Starbucks for attending and and going the way of whomever organized that town hall. Uh, it's interesting stuff, guys. Interesting stuff. Oh my God, who's this guy? Oh, we already know who the clown on the right is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, guys. Okay, so here's a bit of good news to curve that uh, bad news that we just went through. It's not bad news. It's an opportunity. It's a challenge. Challenge all of you his his historical go-getters out there. Challenge you lovers of history to go join the NARA and get those rascals out of there. Clean that house out, guys. My patriots, my conservatives, my people who love common sense and, and, and sensibilities. Go, go, go work for the NARA. Go find your local chapter in your state or city and get rid of those people. That is the challenge presented to us. Now that we know the problem, right? We can't just uh, st sit here in our sit here in our tempers. We got to do something about it. Go work for the NARA. Kick those people out. There are people who deserve to be there that would truly represent and honor uh, the history of America without throwing their own little opinions and feelings into the mix. Uh, keep it objective, right? Because it's history. Anyways, okay. All right, the clown that we have on uh, on uh, on the screen now, guys, uh, David Chipman. You all know who he is. Uh, yes, uh, he was uh, he was the ATF director nominee for uh, Hair Biden, right? Caused quite a stir. Caused quite a stir. Now, uh, as it turns out, Hair Biden has had to withdraw his nomination. Uh, of this uh, gun control advocate uh, whom they tried to install as the director of the ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Bureau. Uh, so that's a good thing, guys. Uh, we should definitely, uh, you know, drop a shot for that. Poop, I don't mean, yeah, any kind of shot you want to give it, guys, whether it's a gunshot or a 
you know, a, a shot of your favorite uh, spirits. Um, but, but I mean, come on, really, guys? Like, you, this was ridiculous. This was ridiculous um, um, that, uh, that they were actually going to uh, put this guy up as a nominee and think that he would get through. Like, think he would be, think that he would be approved. Uh, no, it was never going to happen, quite honestly. Now, uh, the White House on Thursday withdrew uh, the controversial nomination. And, uh, of course, they had some uh, press release to that effect. Um, Circleback Saki told reporters in Washington that the White House is in active discussions with Chipman to give him a different position within their administration. So they're not done with this uh, David Chipman yet. Uh, they definitely want him on their team. Uh, if you guys know anything about him, he is most definitely a staunch gun control advocate. Um, um, he, in fact, uh, along with having worked for the ATF before, was also very involved in the um, Waco Ruby Ridge incident, uh, wherein, um, you know, dozens of people died, uh, were murdered. You know, uh, there are photos with him uh, standing over the body with the burning buildings in the background. Um, so this guy is, is kind of like a screw loose here. Uh, uh, not only was he a big um, a, um, proponent for gun control. I mean, this guy was to the point of believing that um, if you had uh, a, a 30 round standard capacity magazine, right, that uh, you were liable of being charged for a felony crime, right? What a crazy, whack nut, screw loose job this guy is. Before he was nominated, this David Chipman worked as a policy advisor at Gifford's Law Center. You guys remember Gabby Gifford, the one that took a bullet for the team? Uh, the organization uh, was founded uh, in honor or founded by State Representative Gabby Giffords. Um, and uh, they have it as their uh, mission statement. We're on a mission to save lives from gun violence. And of course, like I said, she took a bullet for the team. Um, he is also known to have extreme views on gun control and restricting the Second Amendment. And um, he is uh, also wanted to ban uh, the Armalite Rifle 15, the AR-15. And uh, he supports bans on so-called assault weapons. So, uh, and, and he could not even define it, if you guys remember the hearing uh, when they were uh, questioning him. Uh, but anyways, uh, needless to say, Chipman is out. Uh, that's not to say that Biden won't bring someone else in. Uh, the National Association for Gun Rights was quite satisfied with this outcome. Uh, of course, the National Association for Gun Rights, as you might guess, is a strongly pro-Second Amendment organization. And uh, they issued a statement on this withdrawal saying, This morning, the White House and anti-gun Democrats admitted defeat and withdrew their nomination of David Chipman to head the ATF. Um, and uh, it, it went on to say uh, that, of course, uh, Chipman um, was a staunch gun control advocate uh, and could not garner enough support in the United States Senate to make it through the nomination process. Uh, the AGR quoted its president, Dudley Brown, saying Chipman's nomination was a slap in the face to gun owners across the country. Now, thanks to the pro-gun grassroots, we've put Chipman back where he belongs at home without a job of course so that's very good stuff there and again like i said you know uh, he might be out but they're gonna look for a place for him in their administration uh as long as it lasts 
Uh, we'll see how long that is, right? Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, um, for, at least in the meantime, uh, Chipman is out of luck and he looks like a total, total psycho wacko individual. Like uh, he looks totally psycho, particularly in those photos I saw of him standing over dead Branch Davidians. Um, yeah, not uh, not the kind of guy that I would want in charge of an agency like that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that brings us to our next story. All right, guys, put your goggles on. We got a swamp creature coming right up. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right, what is this man? It seems like this man keeps coming out more and more on my show. Um, what is going on with Georgie Boy? Um, well, you know, it seems that as of late, uh, Georgie Boy George Soros um, has just been crying and crying and crying over uh, the state of this nation in regards to China, okay? So as you know, uh, we shared with you guys a letter he released uh, last week, I think, uh, where he was warning against uh, the people of uh, people of America working with China, uh, with uh, going to war with them, with uh, fighting with them. You know, uh, basically, um, it seems, basically, it seems that um, China really presents a threat to whatever job that George Soros is trying to do. Now, we know all of the machinations that George Soros has been involved with in bringing down this country and trying to change our values and moving the Overton window over and in defying the Constitution, all of this stuff, all of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the funding of the nonprofits, the organization funneling money into Democrat parties, progressive parties, all of it, racism, colored revolution. George has worked so hard to bring America to heel. And, uh, and yet it seems that uh, he, has a, uh, he has a natural enemy, okay? A natural enemy, it appears, is China, okay? Now, you can call China the deep state and the globalist government if you want, right? Like China is the Illuminati. My understanding is China has their own Illuminati, right? And the Western-backed globalists are just palling around with them and making deals with them. But little Georgie boy has really been on the offense with China, like as of late, like really on the offense, like he's really calling it like something with China really stands to destroy all the work that he's done, you know, all the work that he has done. Oh, anyhow. So yeah, sorry, getting distracted. Thank you for the phone. Just V. Uh, I appreciate your sentiments. Uh, most definitely. And uh, yes, so, so carrying on. Um, let's see here. Uh, so uh, yes, yeah, so with um, with with uh, with Georgie Boy, right? Uh, he has a natural enemy in the wild that is China. He's been railing against them. So you know, uh, and you think he would be uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Uh, because China and George Soros are both enemies of America. You think they would be friendly with each other, but something has to be going down that is getting Georgie Boy on uh with his panties in a twist you know and and really high up there like like wedgie style right well uh 
in uh, the most recent event to have occurred is that George Soros is touting criticism against um, um, a uh, against a uh, um, sorry guys I'm getting distracted against uh, an investment agency known as BlackRock. Okay, and uh, he's saying that uh, this firm should not be doing business with China investments. Okay, so now the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, um, um, basically responded to George Soros's criticism, um, and they took uh, because he took issue with the firm's recent investment in China. Now, in uh, in a rare Wall Street Journal editorial. On September 6th, George Soros warned that pouring money into China amounts to aiding a repressive regime engaged time of a life and death conflict with the democratic values upheld by the United States of America. Georgie, what are you saying? Oh my goodness. He's concerned about a repressive regime? <coughs> Nazi? Nazi sympathizer? <coughs> Nazi helper? You know, like he was the uh, he was the Renfield for all the Nazis. This boy was, you know, and and, and he is concerned about uh, engaging with China. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting. Georgie says pouring billions of dollars into China now is a tragic mistake. It is likely to lose money for BlackRock's clients and more important, will damage the national security interests of the United States and other democracies. What? What are you doing, Georgie? You've been doing this the whole time in America. You have been undermining this country. You have been damaging the national security of this country, Georgie. And yet you're going to get into the Wall Street Journal and write an article that uh, shows you to be the exact hypocrite that you are or just protecting his investments, right? Because after all, he's invested a lot in bringing down America. Uh, George Soros went on to say the BlackRock initiative imperils the national security interests of the United States and other... Oh, wait, I already read that, didn't I? My bad. <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. It says, uh, he says, uh, so let me see here. Uh, the national security interests uh, of the United States and other democracies because the money invested in China will help prop up President Xi's regime, which is repressive at home and aggressive abroad. Again, George Soros working under the veil of uh, uh, freedom on paper here in America, uh, uh, knowing that he's taking our country in that very direction by funding colored revolutions and more, it sounds a little bit like a hypocrite. Um, now, BlackRock Investment Group um, responded um, uh, to this critique in a statement, and it said uh, it said that it set up its first mutual fund in China after raising over $1 billion from 111,000 investors. Uh, they said, the United States and China have a large and complex economic relationship. They should not have that kind of relationship, in my opinion. They are, after all, the enemy, right? If there ever was an enemy, I mean, we should not be able to do any types of business with China. Sanction, sanctions, I say. Anyways, uh, BlackRock went on to say, 
total trade in goods and services between the two countries exceeded $600 billion in 2020. Through our investment activity, United States-based asset managers and other financial institutions um, contribute to the economic incorrectedness of the world's two largest economies. In addition to criticizing BlackRock's entry into China's mutual fund market, Soros also faulted the asset manager for recommending that investors stop treating China as a developing nation and triple their exposure to investments in Chinese securities. Now enter this man, and you might want to remember this man's face and his name. This is Larry Fink. Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock Investment Group. Okay. This is a very important person to know and a very important person to be aware of. Okay. All right. So let us continue. Um, Larry Fink responded to this uh, last attack from Soros by saying, the Chinese market represents a significant opportunity to help meet the long-term goals of investors in China and internationally. Um, and again, uh, they're addressing this issue head on. Soros cast BlackRock's China Ventures um, as a misguided move likely motivated by a fundamental misunderstanding of China's leader, Xi Jinping, um, and uh, he goes on to to continue to quip at BlackRock and at China. Uh, the firm seems to have taken the statements of Mr. Xi's regime at face value. It has drawn a distinction between state-owned enterprises and privately owned companies, but that is far from reality. The regime regards all Chinese companies as instruments as the one-party state of the one-party state. The billionaire investor also cautioned that while pouring money into China may stave off a looming real estate crisis, it will not address deeper signs of decline, including failing birth rate. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I live and breathe, we keep talking about, uh, you know, individuals um, like uh, George Soros. And in fact amongst patriot communities and uh, people who are awake. George Soros has been named, fingered, touted, and, and spotlighted as being the man, the one behind the curtain. Ladies and gentlemen, we are showing you right here and now George Soros's natural enemy. You want to talk about someone who's more powerful than George Soros? Do you want to talk about someone who has more influence than George Soros? Do you want to talk about someone who has the ability to do more damage to the world, the economy, and our nations than George Soros? You're looking at him right now, guys. That is Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, um, BlackRock Agency. Okay, so moving right along. Obviously, the next question on everyone's mind would be who or what is BlackRock? Now, just so you guys know, this story right here is a primer for what's to come. So uh, let's take a quick look at the history of BlackRock and Larry Fink for perspective on future stories to tell. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Fasten your seatbelts.
National institutions have teetered on the edge of collapse, and some have failed. As uncertainty has grown, many banks have restricted lending. Credit markets have frozen, and families and business. Of course, of course, a commercial, a commercial. (laughs) It's all good, guys. I had to unpause for too long. We'll we'll start it again, so you get to see, um, you know, you get to see the uh, the the Nazi sympathizer pedophile's face again. Here we go. Major financial institutions have teetered on the edge of collapse, and some have failed. As uncertainty has grown, many banks have restricted lending. Credit markets have frozen, and families and businesses have found it harder to borrow money. We are in the midst of a serious financial crisis, and the federal government is responding with decisive action. So I propose that the federal government reduce the risk posed by these troubled assets and supply urgently needed money so banks and other financial institutions can avoid collapse and resume lending. This rescue effort is not aimed at preserving any individual company or industry. It is aimed at preserving America's overall economy. In January issue, the bailout was far bigger than the Federal Reserve let the public or even members of Congress know at the time. During the 2008 meltdown, when the government bailed out too big to fail giants like Bear Stearns, AIG, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, who did they hire to analyze and clean up the mess? Another giant financial firm by the name of BlackRock, led by a very well-connected billionaire by the name of Larry Fink. BlackRock was awarded these key government contracts to help with the meltdown with no competitive bidding while being enveloped in secrecy. Basically, Larry Fink was hired to be the manager of Washington's bailout of Wall Street, even though BlackRock is one of the biggest shareholders in the same banks they were helping to get bailed out making Larry Fink the most powerful man in the post-bailout economy. Fast forward to the 2020 pandemic. Rick, quick question for you, sir. We're just getting word from the Federal Reserve, and this might be boosting the markets uh, even more this afternoon. They are talking about the details of their corporate bond purchases. The Fed making history today and for the first time ever began buying corporate debt ETFs. The unprecedented move driving an explosion in the corporate debt market. We are committed to using our full range of tools to support the economy and to help assure that the recovery from this difficult period will be as robust as possible. But again, as I mentioned, the Fed two weeks ago began buying individual corporate bonds, and we just got granular detail about what types of purchases it made yesterday. And who did the money printer of the U.S., the Federal Reserve, hire to manage their scheme to buy corporate bonds? Basically, they were bailing out corporations that had too much debt to withstand the pandemic. You guessed it, they went right back to BlackRock. Even though, again, the same corporations BlackRock was helping to bail out were the same corporations that they own some of the biggest stakes in. Keep in mind, though, these are just the top 10 holdings. The whole list, which the Fed has published on the New York Fed website, includes 794 companies. So, yes, these are just the top 10 by holdings, but there are hundreds of other companies that could be part of the Fed's portfolio as well. Larry Fink was the most powerful man in the post-bailout economy, and now he's arguably one of the most powerful men in the post-pandemic economy as well. And yet, despite all his considerable power, the general public has practically never heard of Larry Fink, with BlackRock barely coming into the public eye during the recent claims that they were buying up single-family homes. That's because Larry is smart. He's intentionally kept it that way. He spent the last 33 years building BlackRock into the biggest asset manager in the world, with over $9 trillion under their management. Not billion trillion with a T. Today, BlackRock's clients include the retirement accounts of average everyday people in the form of pension funds. They also have sovereign wealth funds as their clients, other central banks, college endowments, Fortune 500 companies, and millions of individual investors. They're one of the top shareholders of many of the biggest publicly traded companies like Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and even other major banks like Wells Fargo and Chase. And to put their $9 trillion into perspective, the 300 largest pension funds in the world only hold a collective $6 trillion. 
Vanguard, the behemoth behind mutual funds and ETFs, trails behind BlackRock with only $7.1 trillion under management. And if you put the big three asset management firms together, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, they control a collective $15 trillion, roughly equivalent to nearly 70% of the US's GDP. And Larry Fink has done all of this, largely in the shadows, with just a few occasional interviews and appearances on CNBC. He's like the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain, as William Cohen puts it, a former investment banker and author of House of Cards, an account of the Bear Stearns Collapse. This is BlackRock, what some call the most influential financial institution in the world, the world's largest shadow bank, and perhaps the company that owns the world. When Larry Fink was asked by Bloomberg if it's true that he's the most powerful man in finance, the man responsible for $9 trillion tried to convince you otherwise. That quote, I don't think of myself as powerful, end quote. Is that true? Does BlackRock own the world? Well, it's a little bit complicated. Larry Fink is no doubt an accomplished man. That's okay. pretty I gotta pause it because this uh, this content creator he advertises for like a hair loss company and he incorporated it into this uh, report because <laughs> Larry Fink is bald. Okay, <laughs> so keep your hair. All right, uh, let's get back into it. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, this is a this is this is a primer, guys, for what's to come. So uh, I would say you can catch the replay if you can uh, if you can catch it before midnight tonight. Uh, otherwise. You're going to be scratching your head a little bit. All right, here we go. BlackRock boasts some impressive stats. In 2010, they were called the most influential financial institution in the world. And in 2014, they had $4 trillion under management, making them the world's biggest asset manager. For comparison, the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China only had $3 trillion at that time. And as I just mentioned, their assets have doubled to more than $9 trillion over the past seven years. It seems BlackRock has a hand in nearly everything these days. They're a top shareholder in some of the world's biggest publicly traded companies, a top shareholder of banks like Deutsche Bank at 4.81%. In 2020, they were approved by the Chinese government to set up a mutual fund in China, making BlackRock the first foreign asset manager to be greenlighted for this. They also have shares in companies all over Europe, including industries like energy, oil and gas, transportation, food, and of course, finance. And here's the kicker. BlackRock has what's called circular ownership, where they own shares in companies that own shares in BlackRock. Definitely not a conflict of interest. So they're literally everywhere. Because of their staggering size and power and the fact that they largely operate out of sight, BlackRock has been called the world's largest shadow bank. The question is, what makes someone build something this big? Larry Fink is known as the guy who always wanted more than he had. Friends have called him obsessive, paranoid about maintaining control. He's been regarded as someone who knows the markets inside and out and understands business backwards and forwards. But it took him a massive $100 million loss to get to this point. Larry majored in political science at UCLA and got his start on Wall Street at age 23. Having that edge in politics would later play a crucial role in him being the de facto middleman between Washington and Wall Street. He received offers from some of the top investment banks, but decided on First Boston, where he worked on structuring and trading bonds, which sounds incredibly interesting. He rose up the ranks quickly and within a decade, he became somewhat of a legend on Wall Street by helping develop the debt securitization market where loans like car loans, credit card loans, mortgages would be bundled together, sliced into pieces, and sold to other investors. If this sounds familiar, it's because these are the same mortgage-backed securities that led to the 2008 meltdown. 
But before that happened, this securitization of debt was considered really innovative and it transformed the face of finance. All of a sudden, if you're a giant bank or pension fund or whatever that wants to invest in the housing market, you can now invest in a mortgage-backed security made up of thousands of hopefully safe loans. Larry Fee created one of the main tools that led to the meltdown, and he was also the one the U.S. Treasury hired to clean it up. His interest in policy- Aha! Caught it. Oops, sorry guys. <laughs> I was standing up while I was getting that commercial. <laughs> Hold on. All right, here we go. I smell the commercial coming. Policy and strategic wizardry helped him gain a reputation as a true investment mastermind. And for that, he was rewarded. Larry was making bank and received a ton of accolades. At just 31, he became first Boston's youngest managing director in history. Many even thought he would go to run the firm someday. In total, he helped add about a billion dollars in assets to first Boston's bottom line. But then, the rising star came crashing down. Shortly after one of his biggest wins, Larry lost $100 million for his company. A missed call on his hand resulted in trades being wiped out, as well as the hedges designed to offset those losses being wiped out. And overnight, Larry went from a hero to a toxic asset that should be avoided at all times. He was ostracized, his reputation went up in flames, and his colleagues wanted nothing to do with him. He was forced out of the company he spent 12 years making around a billion dollars for. While a catastrophe like this might mark the end for many people, that wasn't the case with Larry. Instead, he used it as ammunition, vowing to never find himself in a position where he didn't understand the risks he was taking again. And in 1988, he was 35 and hell-bent on rebooting his career. So Larry co-founded the Blackstone Group, along with now billionaire investor Steven Schwartzman. They started off with a $5 million line of credit. Fast forward to 1993, and they were crushing it with $20 billion under management. But in what some would call a power struggle between Fink and Schwartzman, where two super strong personalities collided, the two parted ways and Larry broke off to found BlackRock, channeling all his pain and trauma into growing the firm at a staggering rate. By 1999, it went public for $375 million. By 2004, it merged with Merrill Lynch, adding half a trillion dollars to BlackRock's assets. And today, it's at $9 trillion. While the size of BlackRock is impressive, what really sets them apart is their software platform called Aladdin, basically a supercomputer they use for their clients. Aladdin is a network of 5,000 computers BlackRock uses to monitor millions of trades and analyze their clients' portfolios 24 hours a day to perform risk analysis. Aladdin is so widespread today that it's basically the central nervous system for many of the largest players in the investment management industry. And for them to be able to offer the service, they have to be granted access to sensitive data from banks, insurance companies, pension funds, and other important institutions all over the world. This high-end computer farm literally goes over every possible scenario and pinpoints anything that could possibly go wrong, allowing their clients to make the best investment decisions. And it's through Aladdin that BlackRock actually oversees more like $21 trillion worth of assets instead of just $9 trillion. And that's just from a third of Aladdin's 240 clients. Which means that one company, BlackRock, has an eye on the equivalent of at least 10% of all the stocks and bonds in the world. In 2008, the world enters a global financial crisis that hasn't been seen since the Great Depression and Wall Street needs Washington to bail them out. Who do they call to manage the bailout? As you already know, BlackRock. The New York Fed personally went to Larry to help manage $30 billion in toxic assets from Bear Stearns. They brought BlackRock in to advise them on how to handle the $100 billion of toxic assets from AIG. They even contracted BlackRock to deal with the $301 billion of Citigroup's assets, all of which were done behind closed doors with no competitive bidding. And just like that, Larry was more powerful than ever. He went from being the laughingstock of finance to being the linchpin between Wall Street and Washington. As one bank executive said, Larry has always wanted to be important, and now he's more important than he ever dreamed of. And he's loving it. 
In the end, they made at least $200 million off of these contracts in total. The massive size of these contracts and secrecy surrounding them and BlackRock's enormous influence started getting people talking. Quote, it's like the Blackwater of finance, almost a shadow government. Blackwater as in the most infamous private military contractor during the War on Terror. Check out our mini-documentary on them to learn more, link below. Now on the surface, this may sound bad, this may sound pretty shady and corrupt. But if you think about it, if the government is going to step in, which they are even though I don't completely agree with that, what else are they going to do? They're at least partially responsible for this mess for setting such low interest rates, so they're obviously already incompetent. They're not experts in things like mortgage-backed securities, so why wouldn't they go to the man that is an expert to help pioneer these things in the first place? I'm not saying it isn't shady and corrupt, I'm just saying that giving these million-dollar contracts to a man like Larry Fink is understandable. And it didn't stop there. When the you-know-what hit the fan in March 2020 with COVID, BlackRock came to the rescue for both Wall Street and the government again. The Federal Reserve hired them to help bail out corporations with too much debt or that need to borrow money to stay afloat, which again included corporations they have huge stakes in, which is again, definitely not a conflict of interest. They also helped the Fed purchase more mortgage-backed securities on top of that. So where does BlackRock go moving forward? What does a man do when he already has everything? In 2019, people were petitioning against BlackRock for being among the top shareholders for oil and coal production. In fact, investing in heavy pollution industries has basically been the backbone of BlackRock's portfolio over the years. So according to Larry, they're making a push towards environmental, social, and sustainable investing. Whether or not they actually believe in this stuff is yet to be known. Nevertheless, it does appear they've made legit efforts to expand into this more eco-friendly market. With new environmentally focused products, they've partnered with activist investors, they backed a shareholder resolution basically forcing ExxonMobil to get serious about climate climate change, Larry even straight up wrote a letter telling companies that they need to, quote, contribute to society to receive his firm's support. This new push for sustainable investing or ESG investing is a big reason why you see so many corporations trying to appear woke these days. If you want to invest in a company, they will, on their investor relations page, they'll show you their ESG score. ESG stands for Environmental Social Corporate Governance. And this is where the woke culture comes from. So they've created this kind of phony baloney rating system that says, well, if you, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but if you mention that you are, you know, uh, have a green agenda and you, and you believe in carbon credits, and you might trade some credit somewhere, then you get a higher score and therefore you're more investable. And it's very interesting to see how big investors like insurance company, institutional investors, they are steering away from anything that does not have the right ESG rating. And so in order to uh, have investors continue to be interested in the stock, which is important for the company, for its perception, certainly for the uh, the officers of the company and the shareholders, uh, you have to move this, move this along continuously. And so it's very simple to see why doing a woke ad as Nike or as any other company um, and, and uh, Pride Month is fantastic because you could and pride is easy throw up some flags show the right people trans right, whatever right. and you got a high esg score the main catalyst for larry's success is the soul crushing humiliation he experienced after losing 100 million dollars that's what really catapulted blackrock into what it is today he put his entire being into the company and most people agree that he's still as driven as ever today when asked on a personal level what's important this is what he had to say this may sound trite but it's really important for me to be perceived as a good human being a caring individual that always comes across as real and unpretentious and one thing i tell everybody you may not be able to print this is that i'm the same turd i was 30 years ago and i'm really proud of that Thank <laughs> you.
If there is indeed an American oligarchy today, Larry Fink would definitely be one of them. But is he a good oligarch or a bad one? Are they just putting on a show to keep the public at bay? How influential is BlackRock really? How much control over the world do they really have? Let me know what you think in the comments below. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, y'all won't have to ask those questions for too long. Are they benevolent? Are they malevolent? How much control do they really have? Uh, because like I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is uh, this is a primer. This uh, this little introduction into Larry Fink into BlackRock and what they do and how they came about and what government agencies actually go to this firm for help. We're talking about the Federal Reserve Bank going to Larry Fink and BlackRock to ask them to assist with the bailout. When have you heard of a central bank going to a business, corporation, firm, agency to do an assist? I mean, didn't the banks go to the central bank federal reserve to get their money out? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. That means that there is someone whom they owe allegiance to by way of debt, just like Americans, um, um, owe, uh, the federal reserve debt by proxy through the United States government. So, um, a big, big stuff here, guys, very big stuff. And, and to that end, I might say now that uh, for tonight's Mr. C in the Dark, we will actually be watching a, a brief documentary entitled Who Runs the World? BlackRock and Vanguard. And it's going to take all of the information that we just saw here, which was an introduction and an explanation of what BlackRock is and uh, who Larry Fink is. Uh, because they will be featured in tonight's uh, documentary that we're going to view. It's it's like, what, 40, 45 minutes long. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a gander at that. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really, the documentary really does explain exactly how much of the world BlackRock owns or manages. And it's massive, guys. It's massive. It is every part of our life. Everything that surrounds you in your home, your location, what you drive, what you're watching this uh, program show on, uh, what you listen to, uh, what you eat is basically all controlled by BlackRock and uh, Vanguard for the most part. So, uh, yes, Aurelius Locke, it'll be something to talk about, sir. All right, guys. OK, so I think with that said, ladies and gentlemen, because we are already past the uh, two hour mark. Um, we will call, we will, uh, call this meeting adjourned here at the C report. It seems like there are some stories that I just cannot seem to get in, but you know what guys, we'll be back on the air in about two hours, approximately. It's, it's almost 10 PM Texas time here. Um, and, uh, so, uh, we will, we will be taking a look at who owns the world or who rules the world. It's definitely not, it's definitely not Beyonce and her women. Let me tell you that. Um, it is, it is definitely not. And, uh, the documentary examines, uh, firms such as BlackRock and Vanguard and, uh, and everything else that they in touch and who it's involved with. And it even gets into how that relates to, uh, the world economic forum, um, the great reset and beyond guys. So another great, uh, great tool, a great piece of information. I think you guys will enjoy it. 
Uh, I mean, you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a lot of information. It's kind of heavy. You know, it's a Friday evening. We'll enjoy each other's company. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, once we uh, get through the documentary, uh, we will open up uh, phone lines, so to speak. And uh, if anyone wants to come in and join the conversation, um, we'll we'll take it from there. Uh, not really, not really much of a uh, a planned or scheduled show for tonight at Mister C in the Dark, uh, per se. But uh, that is where we will go with it. And all of those elements are definitely involved in it. They touched on a lot of it here but they also left a lot of questions uh, um, in the open, open-ended questions uh, that actually they're answered uh, for the most part in the documentary. Uh, thank you all for hanging out tonight. Uh, the, our Cloaked Unseen, good evening, sir. Thank you for the cookie. Ohio Kimmy, thank you for the cookie. And Sean Joe, uh, much appreciated the cookie. You guys keep my cookie jar full. And I thank you deeply for it. Uh, for everyone else hanging out today, uh, thanks for joining us. Subpack Vet, saw you there in the chat. Happy belated birthday again. And you also, Whiskey Blue. Um, and uh, uh, for coming on in and hanging out, Philly Q, um, Aurelius, uh, Just V, um, all, all, all the gang, the original Peaches, all here. Connie Ketchup, Sean Joe. Uh, good to see you guys, uh, and, and many returns, of course, as we move on. And uh, let me make sure I didn't miss WC Cranop. As well, sir, always great to have you in the chat as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. I mean, who knows what kind of discussions we could get into? I saw what you guys were talking about, uh, like the families, uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, talk about uh, the globalists and the deep state and China and all that stuff. Very interesting conversation. Maybe we can compare notes tonight and see what we come up with. Aurelius Locke says the documentary is only 45 minutes long, but it will blow your mind indeed, Aurelius. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, now we are going to watch it tonight. We're going to share it with the rest of the family. It's got a lot of you're going you're gonna to be like, whoa, like when I saw it, I was like, whoa, I was like, OK, so basically everything in life is owned by like, you know, four or five corporations. It's crazy, guys. I mean, we're talking everything everywhere globally. It's ridiculous. You cannot even go on a cruise and not be away from these people. Okay, not that I'm going on a cruise, but you know, back in the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me let you guys go. I don't want to keep you all night long. To all of you who are watching, whether you are at the foxhole.app, um, the Twitch, or at Clout Hub, uh, thanks for your attendance. Uh, even if you were a troll, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we stay pretty friendly here at the C chats. Uh, WC Cranop has a food coma incoming. Uh, I remember food comas. Uh -huh. Actually, uh, I almost went into one myself earlier today. Uh, most welcome, uh, Subpack Vet, and thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back at midnight Texas time for Mr. C in the Dark. That is, of course, our more relaxed, more casual show uh and uh you know we get to uh we get to do whatever we want there <coughs> review headlines chat with friends engage the trolls watch documentaries it'll be a fun time it'll be a fun time and uh, i hope to see you all there until then ladies and gentlemen uh be safe be blessed and god bless america we will see you soon have a good night <laughs>